Welcome back, everyone. This is The Change Log, and I'm your host, Adam Stachowiak. This is episode 153, and on today's show, we're talking to Daniel Stenberg. Daniel is the creator and maintainer of Curl. Deep show today, huge topic, 17 years of Curl we're going through with Daniel. That's how long he's been doing this, 17 years. Daniel works at Mozilla. He's also an internet protocol geek, as he says himself. He's an open source person and also a hacker. Now on the show, you'll hear us mention that he's an OG or OH to be more specific for original hacker because he's just been doing this for so long. Uh, we had some awesome sponsors for today's show, CodeShip and TopTile. We'll tell you a bit more about TopTile later in the show, but our friends at CodeShip had this cool new feature called wildcard deployments. Now you can get more flexible deployment workflows with wildcard deployment pipelines that trigger if a branch starts with a certain prefix, you can use one deployment configuration for multiple branches and automatically deploy that feature release QA branch to the corresponding environments as you've set up. It's super easy. Let me break it down for you. When you add a new branch in CodeShip to be deployed to, you can choose whether you're going to specify the exact branch name or if it's a wildcard deployment. And for the latter, you get an option to choose from a dropdown, which is branch starts with and then you can specify the common part of the branches you want to deploy so if for example you want to deploy all your branches that start with feature slash uh, to a staging environment for example you can add this as the branch name and the deployment will be triggered for any of the following branch names so if you've got feature slash foo feature slash bar those will all be automatically pointed and deployed to your staging environment super easy to set up love CodeShip get started today if you haven't yet already for free with their free plan it includes 100 builds a month and five private projects or use the offer code we have the change law podcast to get 20 percent off any plan you choose for three months head to codeship.com slash the change law to get started and now on to the show all right everybody we're back we got daniel stenberg on the line 17 years of curl and more we'll talk about more jared you're on the call what's going on man Hey, man. How are we doing? We are excellent. Daniel, how are you, man? It's good to have you oh, on the call. I'm, I'm good. So, it's a bit late here, but I'm I'm relaxed sitting here, lay, leaning back in the in my sofa in my living room. There you go. So you're in Stockholm, or not too far from Stockholm, Sweden, right? Right. Just outside of Stockholm. What time is it there, then? It's 10 p.m. 10 p.m. So it's 3 p.m. here, and that's, uh, that's not bad. Small difference, seven hours. Yeah. So, Daniel, we, uh, you know, not too long back, you posted this awesome post, 17 years of Curl. Um, And for those who are catching up, if you haven't used Curl before, maybe you haven't been on the command line enough. Um, But this is a big deal, right? This is 17 years of a tried and true tool that's been a part of Linux forever. And you got this whole history that we thought would be really enjoyable to go down. But before we kick that off, um, maybe introduce yourself to the audience, those who may not know who you are, where you work at, what you do, what, what some of your flavors are, and we'll go from there. Sure. I'm Daniel. I'm in Sweden. I've been working on Curl and with Curl for a, a very long time, then 17 years. And I basically started at when I didn't, I, I wasn't really aware of any alternatives. So I picked, I, I started writing on my own tool. And of course, it was a small thing back then, and only did a little 
a, a few protocols and a few things, and then it just moved on from there. And since then, I've been it's been a fun project. I've been working on it and, and um, expanded and expanded and gotten more users over time, of course. And I mean, it's just a little project, and we we've been, I would say, a, a few core contributors over the years that have kind of stuck with the project and been around for a long time but it's it has remained a fairly small project developer wise and so on so it's low-key no no big i mean it's not that much of a bureaucracy or or big processes or anything we're just hacking around and, and improving the stuff that we like and that's what I've been doing on Curlden for, for a very long time, and I've been working here in Stockholm, Sweden, as a consultant and doing embedded programming, basically, through my career, mostly. And um, just a couple of years ago, actually, more uh, slightly over a year ago, I was looking around for a new gig here in Stockholm, and then I was offered a job for Mozilla. So right now, then, I'm... I've, I'm employed by Mozilla, and I work on Firefox and networking stuff during day. So when Ilya Gregorik was on the show, Ilya works at Google, and he works, I guess, where, where does he work at? Does he work on Chrome directly, Jared? Is that what where, where Ilya works at? Works on? Uh, he's an internet plumber. Right. That's what I was getting yeah. at. He's on, his job is to make the internet faster. I'm not sure if that's just on Chrome or what else it all entails, but uh, sure. Sure. As, would you say <laughs> sure. that's a fair assumption of what uh, what you might call yourself as well, Daniel? Internet I plumber? Would, uh, maybe no. I would <laughs> I would ra- I would rather I would rather call myself like a network hacker or whatever. Ah, that does sound cooler. Yeah. Because I, I I work on network stacks. I work on mm. Firefox networking stack stack, and I work on curl. Mostly, I work on a bunch of other projects too, but those are my kind of two primary projects I work on. This this kind of takes us back to 1998. Now I have to admit something. This will share my age a bit, but I graduated in 1997 and you released <laughs> Curl the spring of 1998. So I was about 18, barely 18. How old were you then? And, and take us back to spring of 1998 if you can. Yeah, and spring of 1998, I released Curl and, and I then renamed the, the former project that I was working on and called it Curl because the project I had been working on before that I called, originally I called it HTTP GET. Uh, and I started that in 1996. And then, and then I added um, support for FTP as well. And then it supported both HTTP and FTP. And it kind of became odd to call it HTTP GET when it also could speak FTP. So I renamed the project to URL GET. And then after a while, I added support for uploads as well. So it wasn't a get anymore. Mm. Only It wasn't only get. So URL get turned out to be a, a bad name. name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that too. So then I renamed it again a third time. And, and I called it curl then in, in 1998. And so since 1998, has been curl ever since? Yes. There you go. So I first got into computers around 2000. And... Uh, I first got into Linux and the command line in 2002-2003. And curl is one of those tools for me personally. You know when certain things predate you, it's almost like they always existed. Um, yeah. 
you know, similar to like the core utils, like uh, you don't even think about like who wrote LS and who wrote CD. And, and I'm sure there's people who know exactly who wrote those things. So of course you can man LS and find out. Um, but your program, Curl, is so ubiquitous and was even back when I got started that I didn't realize for a very long time that it was not just part of, you know, a standard Linux stack. When you were writing it, when it was called, you know, HTTP GET and URL GET, did you have any clue that it would be deployed so broadly? No, 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 of course not. It was just, I mean, it was just a small project. I did it for my own sake originally. And then, of course, I found out that uh, there were some other guys who also enjoyed it and, and wanted some features. But of course, I mean, there's no point in time when you suddenly realize that it, that it's it's just a constant evolution. So it's just one of these days when I, I, I look around and I just suddenly notice that, oh, it's getting used all over. And so, no, I, I never realized it. I never intended it. It just became like that. And I, I think, I mean, of course, I think I did a lot of, looking back, I think I did a lot of correct, the decisions and, and perhaps I was also kind of right in time so it was a, the right thing in the right time and so on but it wasn't really on purpose it was just, it just happened what were some of those right decisions well I would I would say that I was the whole HTTP and, and internet and, and and the web was kind of on the rise at that time so it so it, it made sense to come at that point uh, with a with a good HTTP tool that could help, kind of a, with a tool that is more low level HTTP stuff than, for example, wget, which is which is more getting stuff, and curl is more uh, a tool to do more weird things with HTTP. And also, you get uh, like your nemesis. Uh, yeah, at least kind of. <laughs> I, I I like to give that impression at least. Uh-huh. I get kind of a. It's more fun to think of it that way, right? Even yeah, me, it's it fun is. to think uh, that like the curl person and the wget people like can't get along. <laughs> exactly, I, I kind of like that image too. Nice. Uh, and I also think that I, I did. I think one of the best decisions I did, I did early two thousand one. I think when when we created the the library, the lib curl, which is kind of the core of curl, which then is is a way for programs to get the curl abilities programming wise yeah so the command line tool start off just as a command line tool and then you said well let's make the core of it a C library and then the command line tool will use libcurl and then other people can use libcurl and that exactly. was a huge thing uh, what were some programs or some languages that integrated libcurl uh, throughout the years well uh, early on PHP is one of those really the first ones and I think that helped us to, to get really far because PHP had adopted curl as the default way to do HTTP really early. So it kind of got some widespread adoption early on. And mm. I don't, I think that that was one of the big one. And it, it got, it got me really excited when I, I realized that they wanted to do that. And, and from, from that point on, it just kind of spread. Uh-huh. Re- really wide. I don't remember exactly now, but but in which order everything. But I mean, over over the years, of course, more and more programs and more and more um, projects have adopted to use libcurl for for the transfer parts. And <clears throat> I would say that today, 
lib curl is more is the bigger part of the curl project because curl the command line tool is more like linux users or command line people and mm-hmm. and, and the, the number of, of of those are much more limited than the number of programs or projects that that would use lib curl so it started off you know http focused and it's still known for that today but if you go to the homepage you find out how many protocols this thing supports. It's it's kind of mind-numbing. Um, Dict, which I don't even know what that is. File <laughs> protocol, FTP, FTPS, Gopher, HTTP, HTTPS, IMAP, IMAPS, LDAP, LDAPS, POP3, POP3S, RTMP, RTSP, SCP, SFTP, SMB, SMTP. Should I keep going? SMTPS, Telnet, TFTP, SSL certificates, HTTP post, put, FTP uploading, HTTP form-based upload, proxies, HTTP2. There's more. HTTP2. Cookies, user plus password authentication. Man, I'm not done yet. I'm going to stop. This, I mean... Shows what productivity can do over a, a sustained seventeen-year uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, nobody time span, right? You, nobody thought you'd just be building all of these things in. It's all this stuff in libcurl. Yeah, yeah. What was the what was the growth of these protocols? Just kind of organic over time, and based on like people requesting them, or were people submitting them themselves? How did all the, all this come into it? Most most of the features are just kind of creeping in like uh, over time people contribute um, different patches and and have ideas and i wanted to do things by myself of course so it is mostly organic we're adding things all the time and people are contributing things and then of course i've had uh, a couple of um, friendly companies over the years that have actually paid me to spend um, more work time more focused time on developing curl so i for example, I uh, did the um, SCP and SFTP, pretty much paid sponsorships, and I did a, a bunch of the others like that. I did the uh, POP3 IMAP SMTP support also from, I mean, with the help of companies paying my time basically yeah. to, to implement those. Well, that's something you hear about a lot in open source these days, especially as a project goes from, oh, that's nice, to a wide adoption. And to the degree that Curl has been widely adopted, you would imagine that at some point along the way, you know, you were able to at least financially benefit from the time you put into it. Not so much to get rich off of making Curl, but just so you're not totally giving your time to get nothing back in terms of finances for you or your family or whatever. Right. And 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 it is actually, especially when adding new stuff that that is kind of the easy part to get financing for since since then companies who who want to do things with with curl they can easily kind of find room to pay me to do something that 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 it that it doesn't do already and that they want in their product or whatever how do you make the decision to to put something in there let's say Jared and I wanted to pay you to put something in there that was obscure just for us do you do you say yes because you're getting paid no. or do you say no yeah, what what defines a line there for you? Uh, since I've, I've kind of been fortunate so that I haven't been, I've, I've been able to kind of pick my projects. I mean, my paid projects, like pretty much cherry pick them and, and only pick those that have matched what I think is fine for the project. So I've, I've never agreed to merge anything into the main line that I think isn't, uh, I mean, in line with what the project should do. So I, I've only accepted 
features and I've only done things to curl that I think is fine for curl as a project and, and whatever the companies that pay me think. So if, if I've done things that I don't think fits mainline, I haven't merged it to mainline. I've just done it for some company and, and mm. allowed them to keep it outside of everything. You've also had a whole lot of contributors over the years. It looks like on your thanks page, there's a massive 1,265 people yeah. that have provided code feedback, advice, etc. over right. the years. Yeah. That's just an astounding number, right? Yeah, it's, a, it's a totally insane number. Uh, but, it, but it's also a, a result of me keeping very close track of contributors. So I'm trying to, since I mean it's open source, the only thing I can do to people, the only thing, I, the, the way I can pay them is by thanking them and showing gratitude and, and clearly marking and saying thanks and, and this, whatever was done by whoever. And I'm trying to make a really good effort to make sure that I mark everything as reported by or contributed by or written by. So over the years, of course, I collect a lot of names from, from, by people then who have helped me out with all sorts of things. Yeah, I was noticing in a comment on your blog, um, somebody is actually impressed that they found their name in the thank you list, even though they'd only submitted a single bug once and right. looked at that as a very minor <laughs> contribution. And yet uh, you were uh, you documented that and you added them to your list. And uh, here they are appreciative of that fact and felt like part of the, pro- the project, even if just a little, all these years later. Right. And I, I try to do that. I, try, I, I still try to do that. So, of course, if someone submits a bug report, that person's name will end up in, in the thanks list. And, of course, that can, might be a bit weird than if I also add someone who, who then contributes a very large piece of code or whatever. But on the other hand, I, I mean, it becomes a really hard thing to, to draw the line. Who am I to say who's helped or who hasn't helped if they all have, everyone who contributes anything, they actually help the project. So I try to just keep the names and say thanks. Mm. And you've seen the adoption. Uh, we'll probably talk a little bit more about adoption later, but just thinking about all the work that's gone into it, all the people that have contributed, of course, yourself. Uh, if you go to the GitHub, there's you, know, you have thousands and thousands of commits over the years, and I'm not even sure if that backports all the previous history before you switch to Git. And yet you see curl being used on the NASDAQ tower, as you posted to your website as well, which is a nice screen grab of uh, some sort of dump on the, on the NASDAQ uh, uh, screen up there of, of a curl command going out, which I'm sure they weren't hoping that that would get, go public. But I'm not sure what that is, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's like they just like printed the source of a script they're running. I'm not sure what that is either. We'll link I, actually, I actually think it's an ad for that company. Oh, really? That's interesting. So like they're showing how they're showing how hacker they are or what? Yeah, it's, oh, it's a post back to apialltheThings.com with a exactly. flag of D and getting oh. a free shirt at Apogee. So that's Apogee nice. advertising so, there. See, I didn't zoom in. I just looked at it from far away and so thought, might, you know, when people accidentally blue screen in public, I thought it was one of those. Right. Yeah, so it might be on purpose. I I I just got that. I just saw the picture. I thought it was fun. I, I that is awesome. That's a cool <laughs> yeah. ad, though. I mean. It's the way, you know, sidebar on that, but, you know, a way to target your audience, right? Like, no one gets that except for someone who understands Curl. Right. So that's neat. Yeah, it's actually a good ad. I thought it was the NASDAQ people messing up, but uh, interesting. Well, it's cool, still cool to see your command line, you know, program, like, blast it up on some 
some big board somewhere. Yeah, um, which makes me think of like all of the you know you can go through the list of companies that have used and, and projects that have used curl as part of their uh, product and all the people that have benefited over the years from your work. And it makes me think, how much work have, do you actually have into this thing? 17 years, you got all these contributors, so obviously you're not the only one committing code. But if you had to think back and say, well, how many man hours do I have in curl? Whether it be coding or maintaining the, the mailing list or talking to people about bugs and troubleshooting. Could you even estimate that? How many man hours do you think you have into it? Uh, I, yeah, I can, I can do a rough estimate. Okay, let's hear I, I would say that over the years, I spend almost every day, I spend about two hours on Curl. Wow. So that makes it around 15 hours a week for about 17 years. Wow. So, so 15 times 52 times 17, roughly? 13,260? Something like that. Somewhere around there, maybe you take a vacation. Do you, you know? Hopefully, you take a vacation. Yeah, sometimes something. I take vacations, of course. <laughs> but of course, but I've also done periods with more intense. Yeah, when that's I, just the average. Also. Thirteen thousand two hundred sixty hours, if just based on the estimation. So, right. what keeps you going? I mean, what? There's got to be more. There's got to be something. I mean, we struggle with burnout. We talk about burnout with many people, especially when their project gets to be, become more successful than they ever planned, right. and it just becomes like too much. How do you sustain it for 17 years? What drives that? I actually have a hard time to really explain that. I'm, okay. I mean, uh, because I, I, know, I, I know a lot of people who, are, who, who get into the projects and work on them for a while and then drop out after a while. And I, of course, I have a lot of other projects that I've worked on and I haven't kept up going on those. So now I, I think it, this has just become sort of my baby. I, I, I just really like where, where it's gone and I like to see it go further and I like to see it become better and I want to fix the problems that I get reported and so on. So I'm just, I'm just it just feels like this is kind of the hobby of my life. So this uh-huh. is, I'm stuck with this. It's your legacy. I, I really enjoy yeah. it. <laughs> do you still enjoy it today like you did back when it was first getting going? Oh yeah, I do. I, I, enjoy, I enjoy working on it every day. So yeah, and I actually... Without mentioning details, like now, for example, I've just today finished a conversation. So I'm going to do full-time curl development now for probably for a couple of months going forward. Really? So, yeah, and I'm, I'm just thrilled about that. So, yeah. That's interesting. Well, congrats on that. That's awesome. So what does full-time curl look like? Like what, what's on your list of things to get done or to do? Is it, is it a list of bugs that have been driving you crazy or is it new features that, you know, what is it? Uh, right now it's, it's, Mostly about getting all my um, remaining HTTP2 stuff done for curl. Nice. Since HTTP2 is is new and hot and everything, and I've I've implemented it HTTP2 supporting curl, and, and it's there, but it's not um, it's not completed, and it's not really there API wise and, and libcurl wise the way I want it to be, and the way I think a lot of users want it to be. So, man, just think about maintaining a project of this size, uh, looking at uh, contributors and letting GitHub crunch their data. It looks like you have 481,000 lines added, 302,000 lines removed. Um, what's the overall size of the code base now, um, roughly? It's, it's not that terribly big. I think we're 
around 200k uh, okay. lines of code in, in the actual project, and there's a lot of tests and, and infrastructure right. around it. But but the code in, in the actual the, the tool and the library, it, it isn't that big a project. Mm. So it doesn't feel unwieldy. It seems like projects as they grow, especially man, with how many protocols you support. Over the years, it seems like things tend to get unwieldy. Maybe the, the big rewrite even starts becoming a thought. Uh, have you ever had those kind of uh, issues where you hit a wall and think about a rewrite or a different language? And, and nowadays, is it pretty easy to maintain and to add to? Well, uh, of course, there, there have been some obstacles and, and points in time when I've kind of ripped out a lot of junk and, and, and redone things internally. But I, was, I would say that I've never, I've never considered to change language. And, and of course, that's, that's me being old and grumpy and, and doing things, <laughs> coding C. But but also I think that actually a, a big explanation for Carl's success is that it's it's massively portable. It it builds and runs on just everything, and that, that also helps everyone to use it on on anything. I mean, and I don't mean just Linux and Windows and Mac or whatever, but every manageable imaginable uh, Artos or weird gaming systems or embedded systems or and everything. So I I kind of like that, and that's that's mm-hmm. also why I've never I, I've never considered to change um, programming language. And when it comes to kind of things like architectural dis- decisions and and how how I made things work internally, we've actually been able to change that uh, to a pretty large degree internally o- over the years without any significant rewrites, just ordinary development and just changing things over time. Uh, let's get a little meta here real quick because I'm, I'm noticing that you actually have a link to a change log on uh, the site for curl. What has it been like, I guess, maintaining such a drastically long change log? It would take me 25, 30 scrolls to scroll this entire change log. I mean, I, I guess, is this manual? Is it, a, you know, since it's such a labor of love anyways and such a legacy project for you, meaning in terms of how important it is to you, you know this hobby of your whole life. What is it like to maintain such a long change log? Well, I, I, I'd say that it's that is part of what you sometimes forget. What, what maintaining a project is that is everything that isn't code, like the website and just putting things up and maintaining the change log or, or maintaining things like security advisories or whatever that it's. Uh, just making sure that every uh, that the documentation looks good on the website or whatever. So yeah, in, in terms of the specifics in, around the changelog, I do that not only manually. I do I have a lot of scripts, but I basically add the chunk for every new release at the time of every new release. So I, I did a release this Wednesday, and then I added the 7.42.0 yeah. details. So I, I inserted it on this Wednesday. I'm going to do another release on this coming Wednesday, and then I'm going to add the, the blurb for the, for the next release. Then, so it's all about that. And then I have a lot of scripts, kind of gathering that information and, and kind of webifying it. You also have a pretty epic man page. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Kind of an insane, and that's one of our problems that we're we've added so much features and so much 
yeah. things that it, it gets hard to find your way around. So it's, it's, it's hard to write documentation when you have so much functionality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what about uh, modularizing, you know, uh, taking libcurl and breaking it up into smaller bits that maybe are protocol specific or some other arrangement that makes sense and then having like a, a wrapper library that kind of pulls those all in. Have you considered architectural things like that? I have, but I've, I've never really found the, the motivation or, or, or mm-hmm. to, to, to really go there. So I, I've tried to try to ask my my kind of audience or users sometimes what what, what users think and what they want from from the protocol from the library in terms of protocols and everything. And it turns out that a lot of users use a lot of protocols. Mm. So it's, it's not that it's not only that we're supporting all those protocols just in vain, but there there seems to be a lot of users using a lot of these protocols. So I'm not sure that it is a benefit for for the project or the design to split it up either so and also a lot of the protocols are using shared code so it's not uh-huh. each each single protocol aren't really that um, separated fr- from the rest of them gotcha this makes me think of another question which is how do you talk to your users yeah. i mean you have you have billion you know you have i think you even said a billion users and probably you don't even know all your users especially with its embedded in systems and whatnot uh, what's your tools to and your communication channel between you and and your users? Yeah, it's it's really crappy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's it's not good. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, but but I, kind of the the usual kind of uh, open source problem that I, I release source code and then it it goes out in the world and and somebody gets the code and builds it and builds a product and and runs with it and and I have no idea. Who, who will do it and what will do with it and, and if they're happy or not. And, and maybe they'll never come back and ask me anything or say anything, and I wouldn't know about them. Actually, I mean, I have, a, I have that list on the website called companies, that, that list companies that I know about that use curl or lib curling commercial projects. And I would say that the majority of all those companies, I've found out that by myself, just by Googling or or kind of i have a friend that find a screenshot somewhere and emails me a picture or whatever so it's not that users tell me about it so i i don't really have a good channel to talk with Uh. most of my users the the ones i talk to they are the ones who are on the mailing list or or those Uh who ask me questions or those who come to me and have questions or or to, to the project yeah, so it's kind of the squeaky wheel gets the oil type of a thing. Yeah, and of course that's that's a subset of the users, and, and a, probably a yeah. particular subset that aren't mm-hmm. all uh, at all representative of of the kind of yeah. That's all the hard the part, right? It's like is this is this request serving my users or just this one particular you know loud user? Those exactly, yeah. the things you got to ask yourself. Yeah, so then I just have to kind of always try to sense that somehow and, and get a feel for is this a good idea for, for the project or just for this user or or whatever but but often it, it all comes down to who's willing to do the work anyway so if if there's someone who, who brings code and, and thinks it's a good idea and it seems to match with the project in kind of conceptual wise and, and design wise then sure why not then it doesn't really matter if it's that user alone or, or an entire world as long as as it seems fine with the project. Let's uh, let's take a pause here. We'll do a quick sponsor break. When we come back, 
considering the fact that uh, you've been in the game so long with this project, we've got to imagine that you've been through several different version control systems. So we want to talk deeply about your, your love-hate for uh, version control systems over the years. So let's, let's break real quick. We'll come back. We'll talk about that. You've heard me talk about TopTal several times in this podcast, and TopTal is by far the best place to work as a freelance software developer. Well, they have this term elite engineer, and that defines the kind of software developer that works at TopTal. I had a chance to sit down and talk to Brendan Beneshot, the co-founder and COO of TopTal, and I asked him, Brendan, what is an elite engineer? Take a listen. An elite engineer for us is somebody who satisfies all the technical requirements um, that you would need in a, in a great developer if you're working at like a, like a Google or Facebook. But then at TopTal, you have to add this extra layer on top of it to make sure that people are mature enough and professional enough to be totally self-directed. And so making sure that they take a tremendous amount of uh, pride in their work and that they're accountable and very, very communicative because in remote freelancing, that's sometimes just as important as being technically competent. All right. If Brendan got you excited about being an elite engineer at TopTal, head to toptal.com slash developers. That's T-O-P-T-A-L.com slash developers to learn more and tell them the cheese load sent you. All right, Danny, we're back. Like I said before the break, 17 years at this, you must have been through pretty much everyone. And now you're on GitHub. So you're obviously using Git now. And it's you've been in, in uh, using Git for well, I think about a year now, right? Is, is that right? Since you've been on GitHub? Uh, uh, no, it's like four years or three years oh, or whatever. Oh. Where have I been at? Four years on um, GitHub? Yeah, oh. I think so. Wow. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, we, we've been through a couple of different version control systems and we switched to, we actually switched to Git then pretty late actually. So we stayed with the CVS for forever. But we're also that kind of also goes back to the fact that we're a small project and we're doing things kind of very simple. We have a linear development, just a single branch basically all the time. Right. So we don't have a lot of requirements on, on the version control system either. So it worked pretty good with CVS too. I mean, Git is way better and, and way more fancy, and, and I, I really like it. So it's it's not that I regret it, but that's also an explanation why we could kind of with the old for so long. You mentioned... Sorry, go ahead, Jared. I was going to say, you started even back on, on RCS, which predated yes. CVS, and then you switched from CVS straight to Git, so you seem to have skipped a subversion time, which a lot of people want CVS subversion Git. Yeah. Uh, you must have liked CVS okay. What a, Speak to the migration process, and if you've been able to like maintain your commit history over time, or if you just said, screw it, we're just going to switch... What was the migration between these different systems like? I, I I could mention that I joined the Subversion project immediately when it started, and I've act, uh, I was part of the core contributor team in the Subversion project huh. for, for for a couple of years. So I have a bunch of commits in that project too. So I, I was I was kind of eager to see a good replacement to CVS back in those days. But you never got curl onto it, huh? No, I didn't. Pretty much hmm. for, for those reasons I mentioned that it it worked out pretty good the way. It did. So uh, mm-hmm. I never, and then came those distributed version control systems. Uh, I mean, after a couple of years after Subversion was go- going, and then I kind of noticed that the, the distributed approach really seemed, seemed to be the way to go. So I kind of, kind of just waited out 
<laughs> a little bit more and then switched to Git. And, and then I converted the entire CVS, CVS history I had to Git. And that was uh-huh. fairly easy too, also because of, we had that simple approach to, to development, mostly yeah. in a single branch. So when I load up your guys' contribution history on GitHub, um, your 11,347 commits, that's probably going all the way back to the beginning, right? Yeah, to the beginning of CVS. Or okay. actually, I, I believe it might even be the beginning of SourceForge. Mm. Because I, I, we created the SourceForge project page in, I believe, late 99. So I, don't, I actually don't remember exactly why, but I don't have the commits before... I believe it's August 99 or something like that. So that, those are the first commits I, uh, I still have, which is a bit unfortunate because I, I would really want the even older ones. But uh-huh. yeah. so you're happy with Git, and I was going to I was wondering if you had uh, one thing we've noticed, especially I think with uh, Rails specifically, when it uh, switched to Git and GitHub, there was a massive influx of of contributors at that time. Um, looks like you have 202 code contributors over the years. Curious if in the last, I guess it's been four years now, if it's been more than it was in the CVS days or if it's uh, kind of been the same or uh, I think we're gradually increasing all the time. But mm. I also also get, in, in, especially in, in comparison to CVS, it keeps track of mm-hmm. authors much better. So it's also kind of a lie because when we did it in CVS days, you had to basically write it in the in the commit comments that you got this patch from whoever. But when, with with Git, it keeps perfect track of who's writing it. So I think it's both. It's both. It's easier to keep track yeah. of who's providing it, and it it's easier for users to contribute uh, using Git. And I would say that it it, it gets even easier when uh, doing it kind of GitHub style. Uh-huh. I mean, with pull requests and and um, even more automated systems. Yeah, and yet on your issues, your GitHub issues, you got you know ten open issues, thirty six closed. Do you have a uh, a different bug tracker, or is your code just incredibly awesome, bug free? No, we had a different. So we we had the we used the SourceForge bug tracker, and we used that all all the way since ninety nine actually. And we only just very recently decided mm. to to stop using that. So we have like fourteen hundred, fifteen hundred bugs there. But since we're kind of okay. so much, that in sounds GitHub, more like it. Yeah, but since we switched to GitHub so much now, it's 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 easier to also handle the issues on GitHub, issues pull requests and the code on GitHub. Also, the bug tracker on SourceForge isn't that very good either. So. I was going to say that at least gives you, I mean, having GitHub and in comparison to SourceForge from back in the day, it's got to give you at least, when you talked before about how you can, how you talk to your users, it's got to give you at least a better window than you've had before. Yes. And and also it's it kind of, when you've been around, you can kind of feel it too, that, I mean, SourceForge, SourceForge was really kind of the, the big thing back in the day, but of course it has kind of, gradually kind of faded away somehow, somehow and, and GitHub is now really where everyone is and, and where things are happening. So, of course, it's kind of, it's much better to, to be in GitHub in comparison to SourceForge because nowadays everyone has a GitHub account and has presence in GitHub and not on SourceForge. So it's also kind of a 
matter of the least resistance. People are already there, so it's easier for people to contribute when they're when we allow everything on on GitHub. Uh, yeah, this may be a, an insignificant thing to to most people, but I I like to have a little fun on projects like yours on GitHub, and I like to go through the page history and I try to hack the URL to figure out how far back I can go. And I was able to take us back 554 pages, I guess, of commit history. So yeah. I, I don't know what the commit count is on per page, maybe like 30 or 40, maybe 25 potentially. I don't know if it's time-based or not, like uh, how many commits go on each page, but 554 pages of commit history you have. That's crazy, man. Yeah, there's a lot. The initial commit message was initial revision, <laughs> December 29th, 1999. And the next one after oh, that December, was remove yeah. junk files. So... I'm glad you got rid of those yeah, files. Yeah. Almost immediately, you know. <laughs> yeah, but I that that was kind of some kind of import into CVS. And I, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I, I imported like, a lot of junk then, so yeah. I had to remove a lot of junk. So version control has changed over the years. Another thing that's changed, it seems, is in the curl project is your guys' license. Can you take us through the different license variations and maybe some of the reasons for the transitions uh away from and to other licenses? Yeah, we've kind of transitioned through a lot of licenses. We started out GPL back from the start, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I paid a lot of attention to licenses then. I basically just picked one that I thought a lot of others used. or, or I don't remember exactly what kind of process I had when I picked the license. But anyway, um, after a couple of years, I kind of felt that I'm I'm not really... A GPL guy. I'm not. I'm not convinced that this the copyleft idea is um, a good idea in general, mm-hmm. especially not for libraries. And mm-hmm. and I also got some pressure from users who who were kind of saying that they were, were, I mean, contemplating to use curl in their products, but they couldn't do it because of the GPL, and they wanted to have a, a more liberal license. So and I kind of after a couple of years, then I kind of. Yeah, I realized that yeah, it might not really be the the, the guy I am. So I, I changed the license, and then uh-huh. uh, and then uh, we picked the Mozilla public license, the MPL, because I thought that was kind of a middle ground. It's, it's not really copyleft, but it's copyleft for the specific files that are included in the project. So it would mean that if you change actual files, you have to provide the source code for those. Mm. And I thought it kind of matched more. It was more in line with, with what I think is reasonable. But but uh, it didn't go very far or long until I realized that it wasn't a good choice either because MPL isn't even um, considered GPL compliant. So then suddenly I got the kind of the reverse problem that people who were using GPL in the projects, they couldn't use libcurl anymore because it wasn't compliant license-wise. So then I was kind of in in another annoying position. And then for a while I added a license, so I added a dual licensed. I don't even remember which licenses. What's the license now? Now it's MIT. 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 Yeah. So you kind of took a a windy road to what is one of the most liberal licenses. 
Exactly. Are, yeah. <laughs> right. So, so then I dropped out the, what kind of a man you are. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Kind of. Then I dropped that dual license thing and just uh-huh. yeah, we're going we're going MIT license here completely as liberal as possible. Yeah. Just, uh, do whatever you want. Just don't say that you made it. I like that personal identification with the license that you're picking. You're thinking like, I don't think I'm a GPL man. You know? Yeah, I like that too. That was nice. <laughs> it's a nice way of thinking about it. Um, and do you think that the MIT uh, since that change has helped or hurt? Are you happy with it? I'm I'm uh, I'm happy with it, and I think it's helped. And I don't think it has hurt us at all. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I, I think I managed pretty good, and I don't think I've, I've been. I actually don't think we've been. We would have been able to. I mean, manage a lot better than we had uh, than we have if we'd had picked another license. I think this license has made it possible for all sorts of companies to ad- adopt and, and use libcurl all over. And of course, there, there's been companies and whoever who have used libcurl and, and done changes and who, who never contributed back. But we've been keeping a pretty high development pace over the years. So I, I know for a fact that a lot of companies, they just, they want to contribute back so that they can follow the development and they don't have to maintain anything on their own or do their own forks or branches or patch sets or whatever. So I think the liberal license has helped companies to not be afraid to use libcurl and then in the end, they usually contribute back anyway if, if they do any substantial changes. And, and at the same time, all those, those um, I mean, the, the GNU projects and everything, those who are then GPL or whoever, they can still use libcurl perfectly fine and they are all happy to, to use since it's perfectly free and open source still. You'd mentioned that uh, in the past you've been, uh, I think, I don't know if you use the word bounty or not, but uh, you've been paid to implement certain features either in a particular branch for a certain company or even if it made it into mainline. Uh, but over the years you've had several employments that have either uh, helped or hurt uh, you maintaining curl. Can you walk us through some of that and then ultimately uh, bring us to where you're at today at Mozilla in terms of their support for curl and, and your work for it? I've been employed by um, four different companies while working on curl, I think. So I've been, but I've pretty much successfully been able to, to not have that influence my work on curl too much. So I've basically always had curl as my spare time project and, and done my work stuff uh, separately from curl. Right. So I don't think that has influenced me a lot. And then over the years, of course, when I've got, I started working for my own company. And when was that? Like five, six years ago. Then it turned much easier to do contracts for, for, I mean, for money to actually implement features for companies to that, um, one of that. So then I've actually, I've done, a, I don't remember how many, but uh, perhaps five, seven different projects for companies that have paid me to do things for Curl. And usually, actually, actually those companies, they don't, want it, they don't want it even to be known that they're paying for it. So usually it has never been a, uh, that obvious to the, uh, to, to the outside that someone else has paid me to do it. This is a this is an odd question, I guess, to ask, but I've asked this my to myself sometimes because I'm self-employed, and Jared, you are too, so you might uh, you might like this question. But 
if you it's earlier we got the average out potentially thirteen thousand plus hours uh, that you've invested in this. Do you think that you made minimum wage for those hours, or at least, I mean, do you, are you the money that you've been able to make as part of taking care of Curl or being paid to work on it for a couple hours a day, like you are now at Mozilla? Have you been able to at least make minimum wage or well above that? Do you think you've been compensated well for for the time that's, that's been invested? I guess. Um, I, I'm not sure. I, I mean. Partly is my hobby, so I, right. I mean, you don't really care. people are people have hobbies, so right. they, uh, they they don't expect to get paid to to have a hobby. I don't mean so, so that uh, so that we could justify, oh, you got paid or not. But I think of it like for myself, like you know, the time I invest in something, I just wonder, have I at least am I plus or minus? I'm in the red or am I in the black? And it's not right. so much to say justified in making money, but just to just as like, oh, I'm in I'm in the red on this one. I didn't make that yeah, much. I just right, love this yeah. thing so but, much. Yeah, but but I, but I just wanted to say that about yeah. hobbies. Since I do it for fun, so yeah. it's not really about getting paid for it. But then on the other hand, I think it's been a as I said, it's my big hobby since a, a lot of years, and I think it has influenced my life and and my career and everything I do pretty much. So where I am today is is a lot because of what I've done. So I think in the end, I think it's been really helpful. I mean, I, I got this since I, I work for Mozilla now, so it, it was really, I mean, the the hiring process at Mozilla has been a lot of talking about, yeah, I have a lot of code in public and I, I, I do know a lot about protocols and I didn't have to explain that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> since everything is there. Uh, everything yeah. is public. Well, Jared read the list for years. So. Yeah, exactly. So, so I think for for example, then I, I'm here. I'm working for Mozilla today a lot thanks to my work with Curl, of course. So it mm-hmm. kind of it has it's what started a long time ago is is now at this at this point. And I would say that I mean I've I've done so much fun and I've, I've I think I've I think I've managed so well in so many areas. So yeah, I would say that I'm definitely a, a net win with everything of this taking all those 13,000 hours into account. It's like the ultimate hacker credential. It's like, I wrote curl, and then they just hire you, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah I thought so. <laughs> That's funny you say that, because I guess it's okay to see it on the air, but before we got on the call, we were joking. So before we actually heard, everyone's listening to this, before you heard that, I was like, Dan, you're like the you know the OG, and then we said the, the OH for the original hacker, because like, you know, you've been there since essentially the dawn of the internet almost. And you've wrote this library that billions of people use. So you can't get much more OG or OH than that. Unless you're Linus Torvalds. <laughs> right. Tim Berners-Lee. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Berners-Lee. Yeah. Well, of course you can think of a lot of people. There's been a lot that's changed over the years. We talked about your, the name changing. We talked about, you know, your version control systems changing uh, your license changing. You'd had four different jobs. If there was anything that stayed the same over the seventeen-year lifespan of this project, uh, what would that be? I think there's a lot of things that are still the same. If working open source, you work with people, and I think that people are mostly the same still. Uh-huh. Uh, so there are, I would say that there are still the same. The same whiners, the same people who are doing things, the same <laughs> the same type of criticism and the same type of. Um, so yeah, I, I think that no matter no matter what you do and no matter how much 
success or, or how many users we get in the curl project. I don't think there's, it doesn't really change the human mind or, or the, the mental state in people. So there's always that. I always, uh, uh, um, I shouldn't say always, but I, I, I keep getting those annoying emails that I have to kind of resist and, and really keep back when I respond to them and so on. So that is kind of a, and, and you know how the things can be in open source projects. It can be really rough and, and you have to have a really thick skin at times because people don't hold back on what they say and, and, and write in emails or whatever. So, but of course it's, it's also the opposite. So it's, it's a lot of good stuff too. Well, for those so, who, but, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, for those who listen to the show, they know we have some awesome closing questions we tail off the call with, but, uh, I'm kind of curious what your favorite moment over the last 17 years might've been. Like if there's something that that's just clearly stands out to you is like, you know, that was the day or that was the thing, or this is the favorite feature or what, what in the last 17 years was maybe one of your most favorite moments? I think there's been a lot of good moments in particular when, when I realized who have been using curl, like, wow, suddenly I realized that Facebook uses Curl. And then I suddenly realized, wow, that's quite a lot of users or, or stuff like that. But I, 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 rem- I especially remember one moment that is when I saw that uh, uh, the billboard outside somewhere in Silicon Valley, there was a billboard with the Curl command line on, pretty much like the, this new one on, on NASDAQ. NASDAQ. Yeah. It was, it was a bunch of years ago when it was an ad for some... Um, I don't remember really what it was, but it was a, a big freaking curl command line on a billboard <laughs> in, in Silicon Valley. That was a good moment. I think uh, one thing that really resonated with Jim Ryrick, oh, can't even say his name, Ryrick, uh, who's a Ruby developer and uh, one who passed away recently, but it touched a lot of people. One of his favorite things to do was to go to the Apple store and fire up a terminal and do man rake. Um, <laughs> yeah. Rake was kind of his ba- his baby. Uh, he had many libraries, but that was one of his, his bigger ones and have his name there. Of course, you, you could do man curl as well. I wonder, you're kind of a Linux hacker. I wonder if, uh, you know, being included in different distributions, maybe the one that you use, um, was a, a shining moment for you or if, if being included in Apple's operating system or anything like that was something that resonated with you? Yeah, well, of course. It's, it's really satisfying and kind of an ego boost thing. Uh-huh. But, but also, it's, um, it's also kind of a, I mean, as I said, they don't tell you about it. It wasn't that uh, they, someone called me and said, hey, we're using your stuff. It's more like right. suddenly one day someone mentioned it to me. Oh, you know that it's included here. Oh. Look, it's been, they've been doing it for years, and like I had no idea. So in a lot of these cases, I don't know it. Exactly, I don't know it when it happens. I just realize at some point in time that, oh, they've been doing this for, for how long they've been doing it. Like, yeah. like the, the Apple case, for example. I have no idea when I realized Apple was including Curl uh-huh. all the time. I had no idea. Sneaky, sneaky Apple. They, uh... But of course, but of course, it's, it's a huge ego boost, and it's—I mean, these days, uh, so many things are network connected. So 
there are so it's an enormous amount of things that are using curl just to download things and, right. and these days and there are so many different things like cars or tvs or printers or routers or whatever and it's fascinating uh-huh. we have uh, a couple questions for you i know we shared them earlier uh, so you, you may have been thinking about a couple of these, but one, one favorite we love to ask, and I'm really curious to hear what yours is, but who is your programming hero? Yeah, I've, I've been thinking about that question. I think it's a good question. I don't, I don't know. I would say that the, the one who immediately came to mind is, is Richard Stallman. And then because of his, that's kind of a, one of those original guys who, who managed to do so much. Uh, the guy who made GCC, Emacs, GDB, and a lot of those early days tools that are still around, even if I would say that he's not possibly the, my hero these days. But so he, may not, he may not care too much since you switched off the GPL. He probably quit no, listening right about then. So Yeah, he's an interesting character in general, he actually. Is. Yeah. <laughs> But then I would say that also like people like Linus Torvalds, for example, is also someone who managed, has managed to get to a point and do what he likes in a way to kind of keep integrity and stuff in a very successful way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm impressed by that. And I would, I would like to get into a position like that. But I mean... I shouldn't complain. I'm in an excellent position myself right now. Yeah. And as you, I, you asked before, I didn't mention it, but these days then when I'm employed by Mozilla, I'm getting paid to actually work on curl part-time. So I do part-time curl on, on work hours these days. Well, I would say that Mozilla is pretty interested in security and just the general ability for the internet. So I would say that that's, that's nice to see them to, to say, yeah, good. Go ahead, Daniel. Work on curl when you get a chance during your work day. Yeah, it, it matches with what Mozilla stands for and, and, and wants to do. So yeah. So let's I know that this is uh using some of your language you've written elsewhere on the curl site or on your own site. You mentioned you got a long list of things to do. You mentioned you got this upcoming two month span of working full time. Um but while you're doing that, or maybe in the future when somebody picks up this this podcast and listens to it and says Heck, I think Curl's pretty neat. I like to hack on some C. Maybe uh, Daniel's got a little to-do list somewhere. What what's a call to arms? What's something that the community listening to this show could pick up and help you on to help Curl be a better Curl for tomorrow? In general, for, for an open source project, where all open source projects really, not all, but most of them are undermanned in, in terms of people who are actually doing things. So. So for for me, for example, I, I would appreciate if people would just help with bug reports and just help reproduce bug reports or just help try out patches or there there's just an endless amount of things that could be done. Then there's, of course, also this, I have, for example, a to-do list that lists, I believe, like 20, 40, 60 things that we could add to curl if, if somebody wanted to do it and somebody just spent the time and energy to do it. So there's really, there's both highs and lows depending on on what you can do and what you feel for. 
let's talk about your open source radar then, since this is your labor of love. It seems like it might be the only thing you get to play with, but uh, if you had a weekend, is there any project out there that uh, that's in the open source world that like, man, if I only didn't have all these bugs for curl to take care of, I would totally hack on that this weekend. What might that project be? Or even technology, not so much as a project like uh, could be VMs for better testing. You know, could be Docker for better testing or something like that. I'm a library foundation kind of person. So whatever I do is usually kind of around those. It's networking, it's libraries, it's doing things like that. So if I would do, I mean, if I if I have a weekend off some at some point, I don't do a new project. I spend time on the, my existing project. But if I would do a new project, I would it would be around networking and doing things, improving things that I'm already kind of working on. I'm trying to, most of my things, most of the new things I do, they're, they usually kind of are related to what I'm already doing. So like I started on a speedy library uh, previously to, to do the speedy protocol and stuff like that, because then I could use that in, in the existing projects that I do. So I'm kind of narrow and I'm kind of, I don't experiment. I don't go very, very far from what I'm doing. You got the, you get a safe trail. And you like to hang out there. Yeah, I kind of. I, I like my little cozy corner here. So I'm, I'm, I, nothing I wrong with that. It. Nothing wrong with that at all. Right. That's good stuff. Well, uh, Daniel, you know, with such history and such, you know, OG behind you, I can't help but just be uh, excited to have this conversation with you. I know that it's been a long road, but. It seems like you've been having fun along the way. Somehow you've stayed motivated. Somehow you've stayed uh, excited about it. And you keep caring for this labor of love. You've had your code on billboards and billions of people using it. And you've got some of the most highest accolades, you know, with Facebook and many, many other people using your code every day in their everyday projects. It's got to be, you know, a, a good feeling for you to, to sort of sit back and, and look at the, the last 17 years and say, hey, that was that was time put to good use. Oh right. yeah, yeah. When when I get, when I actually just do that, I mean, stop, stay, and, and consider all that, all those users, all those products, all those companies using it. Yeah, that that makes it feels really good. And as I said before, it's an ego boost. And of course, I contributed or even had a big part of that. And it's yeah, it's an it's an awesome feeling. And but then yeah, that's about it. And then I go yeah. back to do the work and then <laughs> take a moment, you enjoy it. And then you go back to work. I know at the end of your 17 year birthday post, you were like, you know, have a beer with me, but only have one. Cause we got work to do and there's bugs to take care of and tests to write. So uh, I know it's been an honor for me and Jared to have you on this call. It definitely was great getting to know you and hear about, uh, about all the things you're working on a uh, couple for the listeners listening. We got a couple of shows coming up. We still have to schedule the roots and bedrock shows. So if you're, uh, interested in WordPress and the bedrock way of doing things for WordPress. Can't wait to have the conversation, but we haven't put it back on the books yet. However, we do have May 1st scheduled. That's next Friday. We're talking to Steve Newcomb uh, about the famous uh, library, interface library framework. Super cool conversation there. We're hoping to to see where that's... I'm not really sure where that's fitting, Jared, especially with all this React news. And we talked a little bit about that on that show, I believe. So I'm really curious to see where Steve's sitting with Famous. I'm going to find out next week. Way off the path of Curl, of course, but nonetheless, still a fun conversation. So 
Daniel, is there anything else that you want to cover before we before we taper off? I'm good. Anything else you want to say to the audience? You know, where can they find you? Where can they follow you? Well, everything I do and everything I, I play with is on my website at daniel.hacks.se, H-A-X-S.se. And I'm okay. back there on Twitter. That's about it. Gotcha. And we'll link that up in the show notes. So if you're listening to this, head to the show notes, changelog.com. That's right, changelog.com, not the changelog. Jerry, we just changed from the changelog.com to changelog.com. How cool is that? We shed a few pounds. We did. You know, three characters... And we're HTTPS now, too. So we're, we're ready for the future. Totally secure. Now we're going to get uh, HTTP2 rolled out. That's true. Yeah. Maybe, we can, maybe we can get Daniel offline to uh, help us out. Uh, any day. Yeah. Any day soon. Right. <laughs> so for those wanting to show notes of this show, it's changelaw.com slash 153 because this is episode 153. But Daniel, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. And uh, with that, everybody, let's say goodbye. Bye. Bye. See you.